Another winner, Carrie Miller, joins us now from Bleacher Report. And uh, out to the KDUS hotline we go and uh, talk a little college basketball. And we'll get to some tournament things in a couple of minutes here. But, uh, Carrie, good to have you on the show once again. Thanks. Yeah, good to be with you. Not not much of a winner if you've been following my bet uh, projection thus far, but it's been a oh, while tournament. Think- we're doing fine. Yeah, there's been uh, some interesting results so far. We'll get to the tournament here in a minute. I wanted to ask you about Rick Pitino first going to St. John's. Do you expect there to be immediate impact and immediate success with him at St. John's? And I assume uh, the transfer portal is probably uh, going to be a popular part of his uh, to-do list here. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, I actually haven't noticed how much uh... – much he's been doing with the portal at Iona. I don't think a ton, but obviously the the allure of you know playing Madison Square Garden, playing in the Big East, will uh, that'll get in more talent uh, than he was able to get with the Gales. And certainly getting getting guys into St. John's has not been the problem. It's been coaching them up with uh, with Chris Mullen and with uh, Mike Anderson over the last decade or so. They've just been disappointing uh, year in and year out, even though they've had the talent to win and. And now you've got a coach who definitely has that pedigree. Um, probably won't be long before he's taking what I believe will be his sixth program to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, certainly, if he if he plays out that full six year deal as the coach, he'll, he'll get there eventually. Ed Cooley sticking in the Big East leaves Providence to go to Georgetown. Uh, I actually kind of thought I can't imagine him leaving Providence, but you know, knowing his reverence for John Thompson, I kind of get it. How about you? Yeah, I, it was funny. Uh, the In the lead-in to the Top 16 reveal on CBS, they had a, a whole half-hour show dedicated to, to Ed Cooley. Now he's you know born and raised in Providence, prior oh, yeah. through and through. And here yeah. we are less than a month later, I guess a little over a month later, and, and he's gone. Uh, but I get it. I, I, I certainly, historically speaking, the Georgetown job, way better. I mean, it's not, obviously Providence is the better team right now, but it's because of Cooley. And he can, you know, build up Georgetown the way he did Providence. I, I think he's going to be a home run hire for them. Um, be curious to see where Providence goes from here uh, with its co- coaching search, but you know, living in the the greater DC area, it will be nice to to have Georgetown be even remotely relevant again. Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, also, uh, Bobby Hurley, his name has been mentioned. It was mentioned at St. John's. Uh, at least some of the New York media mentioned him, and uh, I know he's been mentioned at Providence again. I don't know completely if Hurley would be into coaching against Danny on a regular basis, but. Uh, you know, I don't know. It seems as Hurley's name has come up enough. I'm wondering if there's something going on. If there's some smoke here about that. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't. I think they've actually said in the past they don't want to go head to head. They don't want to be in the same conference. So that would be weird. Like I get why people are making that connection. With you know, there were multiple jobs open in the Big East, and there was a lot of you know Bobby Hurley on the hot seat talk this season. So you know, easy to draw those lines together, but. I would be surprised if, if he goes that route. I, honestly, I'd be surprised if he leaves Arizona State after getting them to the tournament. I, I think that was more of a hot seat situation before the the season began, or before the tournament began, when they were you know right on the bubble. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that'll happen. 
Carrie Miller, Bleacher Report, curling in the sports zone. All right, let's go back to the first week of the tournament. Uh, yeah, what were a couple of the big storylines that most caught your atten- attention the last, you know, the previous four days uh, uh, last week? Um, yeah, it, it felt like there were way more upsets than there were. I, I, that was kind of my takeaway from like the upsets that we got were massive. Obviously, mm-hmm. Fairly Dixon winning that game, Princeton winning too, but. It, I was just uh, adding up all of the uh, the seeds for the Sweet 16, which is a dumb thing that I do every year, but it's fun. Um, this is of the last five tournaments. This is actually the second lowest number. Like 2019 was super chalky, but we're at 78 right now, and three of the last four tournaments were north of 85. So we like hmm. we still have a lot of really good teams in this tournament. Obviously, Princeton is the the Cinderella du jour. Um, if they can knock off Creighton like St. Peter's knocked off Purdue last year. Um, that story will continue into the weekend, but I, I think we got a lot of really good teams, even though we did lose two ones and two twos. Okay, so let's actually start with that game. Let's start with Creighton against Princeton. Uh, you know, Creighton doesn't make shots in game one. They make every shot in game two. So what do we expect for Creighton in game three? Yeah, I, I, I think it's more of a can Princeton's defense possibly do it again? I mean, they were like 135th defense on Ken Palm coming into the tournament, and all of a sudden they're un- impenetrable. It's it's absurd what they were able to do to, to Arizona and Missouri, two of the 10 best offenses. Uh, I, I can't imagine that continues, but I also don't think Creighton's going to blow them out. Like, Princeton does not get blown out. Like, that was my thing. You know, I had... I didn't pick Princeton to beat Arizona, but I, I thought they would cover the 14-and-a-half, no problem, because Princeton doesn't get blown out. The Ivy League teams don't get blown out historically in the tournament. So I think we're going to get a good game, but I think Creighton's going to find a way to, to break through that you know sudden iron horse defense. Yeah, I wasn't surprised that Princeton out-rebounded Missouri because everybody out-rebounds Missouri. But yeah, I don't know, how, how could they have out-rebounded the U of A uh, and out-rebounded Arizona in that game last week? Yeah, it's similar to the, uh, what was it, six, seven years ago with the, how does Yale out rebound Baylor? Had that whole (laughs) soundbite. I thought that was surprised that didn't come up at any point in the last few days. But yeah, it it was unexpected. Like I said, Princeton was outside the top 100 on defense. They're still outside the top 100 on offense. This was not, like when Oral Roberts made their run two years ago, they were at least a very good offense that just, so happened to play some decent defense in the tournament, whereas you know, St. Peter's was a really good defense that found some offense. This just kind of came out of nowhere with Princeton. All right, so Alabama and San Diego State. Yeah, on Saturday, we watched Tennessee grown men beat Duke young men. Uh, and uh, maybe I'm just you know, making a bad comparison here, but I'm watching the game on Sunday, and I'm thinking this San Diego State team reminds me of Tennessee a little bit, and now they're playing – a lot of freshmen in Alabama. Obviously, they have the uh, you know the, the, the upperclassmen guards Alabama, but uh, they you know they have a ton of freshmen. So, San Diego State, uh, you know, they've got some growing men on that team. Am, am I? Is this a bad angle by me? I'm thinking San Diego State plus some points here. Yeah, I think I think Alabama is going to win comfortably. Again, my my bets have not been great. I think I'm 24 and 24 overall. <laughs> in the, the 48 games thus far. Um, but you know, it, I, 
think in each of the past 14 tournaments, there have been at least two Sweet 16 games decided by double digits. So, like, if you're if you're looking at it as, you know, seven and a half is a bit too much. I think they're going to cover, a, for whatever reason, you know, teams come out Thursday, Friday, and they'll blow somebody out. It happens, like, 35% of the time, something like that. So I think if you if you like Alabama to win, you should like Alabama to cover. They've won 23 games by double digits. But, yeah. like you're saying, San Diego State, grown men for sure. Uh, that's, you know, defense has been their M.O. for like 15 years now. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, certainly it hits the under. <laughs> but I think Alabama yeah. will probably cover. Tennessee and Florida Atlantic. Uh, what's the first thing you think of in that matchup? It was uh we'll see if they're if Tennessee's able to get away with murder like they did against Duke. Uh, for only eleven fouls to be called on the volunteers in that game. Something That's I'll true. never understand. Um I think Duke took eleven hits to the face in that game, let alone eleven fouls, but it, 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 and Florida Atlantic is they're a deep team but they're they're not big. You know, they've they play nine guys, but seven of them are six four or shorter. I think they should get. You know, Tennessee should be able to outmuscle them. Um, you know, the, the Owls held their own against a, a pretty physical Memphis team, but this is you know a whole whole new ball of wax dealing you know, with that Tennessee defense. I, I think the I think the Volunteers are going to figure out a way to get the win, even though their offense is quite suspect at times. How many stitches? Uh, you know, was it more stitches or more fouls called in that uh, in the uh, in the Duke Tennessee game? Yeah, certainly. Uh, Filipowski's still recovering from yeah. shot he took to the face there. No doubt. Kansas State and Michigan State. Uh, this game intrigues me. And MSG, of course, and you've got uh, you have point guards going home in this uh, particular game, so to speak, going home. Uh, so, what what are you looking for in Kansas State and Michigan State? Yeah, we'll see uh, see if Kansas State can do to Michigan State what they did to Kentucky, just forcing relentless turnovers. I think they have uh, 20 steals through the first two rounds. I think they had nine against Montana State, 11 against Kentucky, really set the tone early with all those takeaways. And, you know, it's what they do. Uh, Marquise Noel is fantastic on the perimeter defense. Question of whether they'll – excuse me – avoid giving it away with turnovers on offense. That's been the, the Wildcats thing all season long. But I, I think they'll, you know, I, I thought Michigan State's favored. I, I get it. It's Izzo against Tang. It's Michigan State against Kansas State. But I think the Wildcats are the better team. And like you said, you got uh, got the point guard going home in Noel. I think he's going to shine in MSG. Also, you've got uh, you know situation uh, Houston against Miami. This is the uh, – yeah, we had a bunch of contrast and styles games last week, and I think that this is probably the one of the eight uh, games that we have this week that uh, kind of stand out as far as a you know, team that wants to, to beat you up and play half court and a team that wants to run like crazy in Miami. Yeah, we'll see if uh, Miami's defense can hold up. They actually have the, the worst defense of the 16 remaining teams, and uh, even though Houston has had some – some cold spells for sure, certainly as of late. I think they'll they'll find a way to get a win. They scored eighty one on Auburn. They can they can score eighty one on a Miami defense that I believe allowed eighty five and in four of its last eight games before the tournament. Um, you know, they they did a great job of shutting down Trace Jackson Davis and daring the guards to beat them. But you try and do that against you know try and shut down Jarris Walker and 
leave Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shedd wide open, you're you're going to get destroyed. So I, I think Miami's defense, or you know, really lack thereof, is going to be the story there, and, and Houston's going to take one more step toward a hometown advantage in the Final Four. Sean Miller back in the uh, Sweet 16 with Xavier and uh, against Texas. Uh, you know, Sully boom against all the Texas perimeter players. Uh, interesting matchup there. Yeah, Sully boom against his uh, former coach in Rodney Terry. Uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about we, that part. We, we talked about uh, you know Bryce Hopkins going back to face Kentucky. I, I haven't seen anybody making that connection yet. But, yeah, that'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, we'll see if they can avoid the – uh, the turnovers that Texas is able to force. Uh, you know, Xavier certainly is an incredible offense when they are hitting shots, but their last, I believe, five losses, they've been held to 68 points or fewer. Texas' defense is really firing on all cylinders right now, so we'll we'll see. But, yeah, if Sule Boob gets going, when he scores, when he posts at least 16 points and three assists, something like that, they're 15-0, and and that's like his averages for the season. So if they're unable to shut him down, they're – Xavier's probably going to win. They got 48 points in the first half or 49, 48 or 49. They didn't get any in the first half of that game the other day, but then in the second half he kind of took over after they had the, the healthy lead. Arkansas and UConn. UConn, uh, I guess you can make a pretty good case playing better than any or as well as anybody at least after the first weekend. Yeah, I mean, they, at least in the second half of those games, right, they were down – down two at the half against Iona. They were up one against St. Mary's, and they won those games by combined like 39 points. Uh, yeah. You know, whatever, whatever Dan Hurley's saying at halftime, he should go ahead and say that in the pregame speech because he's got them going really well in the second half of those games. And you know, they they were the team to beat in November and December, and really hit a wall in January. I went through the you know all their tough road games in league play, had a couple of disappointing losses, uh, you know, peppered in there as well. But they've been looking really good over the last month and a half. I mean, I had them final four coming into the tournament. Now, you know, feel even better about it after seeing them play those first two games. But, I mean, Arkansas is going to be a problem. Uh, it's a tough matchup. Uh, you know, if there's two things Connecticut does poorly, it's they commit fouls and they commit turnovers. And if there's two things Arkansas does really well, it's, force turnovers and draw fouls so this could play into the Razorbacks wheelhouse and we certainly wouldn't be the first time we've seen Eric Musselman in the Elite Eight. I'm just going to mention Musselman I used to be an assistant here for Herb Sendak at ASU and uh, yeah what he's done in the NCAA tournament is pretty amazing whether it's Nevada or Arkansas he's uh, had deep runs in both locations what's been the key to that uh, you know NCAA tournament success for him? Yeah I I mean, the thing with Musselman is he gets these transfers. You know, he was dominating the transfer portal before the game as popular as it did. Uh, and he always seems to have these old, savvy guards who play just tough defense. And that's what you want in March. I mean, he, he steered into that skid before anybody else did. I think he really mastered that art. Um, you know, they were kind of disappointing during the season, but it was also due to injury. Um uh, you know, early on they looked really good, but then lost their big man Brazil. Um, you know, Nick Smith Jr. was not healthy for most of the season. I I can't believe they beat Kansas with him scoring zero points though. I, I thought yeah. they were going to go on a run. He was going to have to be a star and for them to do that with him doing nothing. I mean, if he shows up in a big way down the stretch here, man, they they could they could pull it off. They could win it all. 
All right, Carrie, I saved the best for the last, at least at the West yeah. Coast. We think it's the best. Gonzaga and UCLA, what are you looking for there? Yeah, easily the the marquee game of the Sweet 16, in my opinion. It doesn't necessarily it's going to be the best, but you know, two years ago they had the, the buzzer beater in the Final Four, and I, I think something special could happen in this game. Um, you know, it's the old uh, unstoppable force, immovable object debate. Gonzaga's number one on offense. UCLA is number two in the nation on defense. Can they slow down Drew Timmy? Can they avoid the, the run out for Gonzaga's offense? Uh, Gonzaga is 117 and four when scoring at least 71 points in the last four years. But they're three and eight when they're held to 70 or fewer. Uh, so that there's. That's UCLA's goal. Hold Gonzaga to 70 or fewer, which very few have been able to do, but the defense could do it. We've seen Jalen Clark not play now for you know right. what, four, four or five games, counting the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, do we see a, no- a noticeable difference with them defensively? But uh, you know they're still good defensively. But yeah, you know, he, he's he's the man on defense. Yeah, I, I think. They're not getting as many steals. I think they had 11 in the first round against UNC Asheville, but that's a team that like doesn't even have a backcourt. They were all Drew Pember or nothing, and, and he didn't do anything, so they were nothing. <laughs> but I, I think they're less likely to force turnovers because um, Clark was so good in that regard, but still really good on defense. Um, I mean, we'll see how healthy they actually are. I mean, Bona appeared to aggravate his shoulder. I know he came back in, but he hurt his shoulder on a dunk in the second yeah. half uh, against Northwestern. Singleton had that hideous rolled ankle. They're saying it wasn't a break, just a bad sprain. But, I mean, you're in Arizona. You remember what it's like to have a bad sprain in the tournament from Kirk Carissa last year. We'll yeah, see if true. he's able to, to really give it a go. But, yeah, if they're already down Clark and then two other guys that assumedly less than 100%, not a great time to be facing Gonzaga. That's true. Yeah, the good news is at least Singleton was walking around after the game. That's you know that's yeah. was seemingly surprising at the time to even see him do that. So we'll see. Yeah, Carrie, this we has been great. Seen any I... pictures of his ankle all swollen and purple <laughs> and nasty like that's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes, those were pretty ugly, no doubt about it. All right, Kerry, great stuff as always. I really appreciate it. If we don't talk to you in the next couple of weeks, I really appreciate all the time this season, uh, uh, football and basketball. Thanks much. Yep, you got it, Bob. Take care. Carrie Miller of Bleacher Report.